and welcome to the Moncast. My name is Stevie. And I'm Sam. The current score is 4-2 to Pokemon, and this time we are discussing the seventh episodes, Guardian Angel and Spinarak Attack. First episode we're watching is Spinarak Attack. So we're in a city. Yeah. It's not a forest. No. Are you happy? No. Because it's not Violet City. It's Catalia City, which is a city that isn't in the games. Oh, it's another made-up city. Yeah, if it's a, if it's not got a name that's in the actual game, then we know it's going to be a filler city, and it just is. It may as well be the same place that there were before. But it's a place with a legendary thief. Yeah, I like how it's famous for its exports and a legendary thief. A thief so legendary that Brock, from a whole other region, knows about him. Quite well informed about him, apparently. Because it's his job to provide all the exposition. Yeah, so they see a police car go past, and then Brock runs after it, because he wants to get Officer Jenny that's in there. Wants to get off with her. He wants to get the Officer Jenny that's in there. Add her to his collection of them, apparently. So he runs after the car. And then falls down, and then a spinnerack appears in front of them, and then Misty screams. Because bugs. Even though bugs are completely different. Like, there's so many different types of bugs. Is it just the fact that they are bug types? It's her thing. Okay. It's like her only thing anymore. Don't you think they seem a little bit more watered down compared to the way they were in Kanto? I don't think Misty's watered down, because otherwise a water Pokemon would be out. What I mean is, like, they don't seem as interesting as they were they've all gone onto the things that they tend to do like they tend to stick to oh brock likes girls and misty likes to tell ash off and ash is the good hero guy misty doesn't like bugs and brock knows everything because he's the old one so it cuts and we see team rocket dressed up in this black gear sneaking around this large building Team Rocket's costume is very, very good. Yeah, I like the costume this time around. It's it's quite nice. But obviously it's based on, we find out soon, that they're following in the footsteps of the Black Arachnid, which is apparently the, the name of the this legendary thief that was here a long time ago. Which is weird, because he had a Meowth for a partner. Yeah, why was he called the Black Arachnid? Because there's Spinarak here. But that's the police, and he's against the police. Yeah, but it's a Spinarak episode, so he's going to be the Black Arachnid. Okay. That's how it works. I prefer Team Rocket's thief name. The Black Arachnid 2. Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. <laughs> Jinx Touchwood. Okay, so they're sneaking around a large building. Um, Meowth tries to open a lock with his claw, but yells out in pain as it doesn't work. This is when Jesse tells us that uh, they're following in the footsteps of the Black Arachnid. And she tells Meowth off for not being able to open a single lock. James eventually opens the lock and they sneak inside and they find a piece of pottery that they want to steal. And then they're spotted by... I don't know if it's a guard or if it's just a guy who lives there. I don't know. This is when Jesse calls themselves the Black Arachnid too. And James throws something at the guy. And we find out like straight away that it's bottle caps. Because Meowth doesn't know payday. So they have to use bottle caps the whole time. Straight from James's bottle cap collection. Yeah, because we found out in Kanto that he had a, a, a massive bottle cap collection. And it was his favourite thing. So I guess because Meowth can't use payday, they've got to throw these bottle caps everywhere. So it cuts to... Officer Jenny at this crime scene, seeing these bottle caps. She doesn't know they're bottle caps, though. She says payday. But, like, if she didn't know that the bottle caps 
was supposed to be coins, how would she know that it was supposed to be payday? It's someone imitating the legendary thief, the Black Arachnid. So she says that they need to reinforce the Spinarak webs. As a as a tactic, kind of doesn't make sense, because we literally get told that they've caught the Black Arachnid, but it turns out to be Ash and Co, because they got caught in a web half a mile down the road. Like, so are the webs just everywhere? There wasn't a web in the middle of the street. The Spinarak just attacked them. Does Spinarak attack everyone that just walks down the street? I think Spinarak saw them and they were like, oh, it's the main character. Let's let's drag them into the plot. It's always just the plot finds them. And they're just like, we're going to do this now. Honestly, it, it's really bad in this episode, that entire thing. I don't know what it's called, but it, it is basically, oh, they're just wandering in a city. Now the plot happens around them and then they save the day. So, yeah, they're caught in a ball of web, and then they're like, oh no, we're just kids, like, it clearly isn't us, but like, that's not a good alibi, but it's okay, because they are just kids. Officer Jenny notices Togepi and Pikachu, and asks if they're the crime-fighting team who helped Officer Jenny in New Barktown. Which they are. They're not a crime-fighting team, though, are they? They might as well be. They are a dance troupe as well. They also did some mining. What else did they do? Pokemon Doctors. They've done all sorts. They're professional everything at this point. They might as well be professional investigators, because they do a better job than all of the Office Jennies ever have. So, yeah, Ash remembers them saving Totodile, and Brock says it was them, but they didn't really do much, I guess, for me. Like, all I remember is that they just walked around until they found Totodile. Like, it wasn't a big thing. Ash sent out his Pokemon. Uh-huh. He contributed to the rescue of the Totodile. I'd love to see them deal with an actual legit crime. Like, there's just a murder, and Ash is there like, oh, we'll save the day because we're super crime-stopping heroes. Well, this is probably as close to a proper crime drama episode of Pokemon that we're going to get. I suppose. So, Brock calls them professionals, which is a lie, because they're not professionals, they're just some kids. The professional kids. And then a Spinarak appears, and Misty gets all creeped out, and Ash asks why they use Spinarak instead of Growlithe. And then... Exposition! Jenny says it's tradition because of the Black Arachnid. The Black Arachnid had a Meowth as a partner. Okay, so then why why is it tradition for it to be called... Why, why is it called the Black Arachnid? Why call yourself something about spiders when you have a cat as your partner? Well, the cat was called the Cat Burglar because they're just that inventive with the names. But it would use payday to scare off the police, which is weird. So someone's going to throw money at you and you're going to get scared off. Change would hurt if it hit you in the face. It wouldn't work nowadays where everything's turning into paper money. Or just like throwing bank cards. But they originally caught the Black Arachnid with a Spinarak because of Officer Jenny of eight generations ago, also called Officer Jenny, used a Spinarak. Her Spinarak that she has is descended from that exact same Spinarak. Wow. Of course it is. Oh, it's like a legend. Oh. I'm trying to work out the maths here, but Brock says... A legendary thief was around over 100 years ago, which suggests it's under 200 years ago. So it's like between 100 and 200, and that's eight generations. So that's been pretty consistent birthing in the Officer Jenny family. All of the Officer Jennies have kids in their mid-twenties. That's the only way it can work out. But that's if it's 200, if it's 100. If it's 100, then it's very bad, because then they all have them in like the age of 13. So let's say it's 150. That's still 18. That's still pretty young. It's a lot of teenage pregnancies in the Officer Jenny family. That's a lot of teenage pregnancies, and for police officers, I would have expected better. <laughs> I still have great respect for Officer Jenny, though, and we'll say that. Then I, like, I'll just pump some more kids out, we need more police officers. Wait, wait, do you reckon all of the first names are actually Officer? No, I think Jenny's the last name, like Joy is the last name. Yeah, and, and the first name is Officer? Maybe. That's what I like to believe, that they all just call the kids Officer, 
and all the nurse joys are called nurse, and all the professors are called professor. They don't have actual first names, it's just <laughs> named after their job position. Unless they're called, like, I don't know, boat person, which means that they're boat people. Do you reckon Jesse and James are called Jesse and James Rocket? No. Why not? I don't know. We have no evidence to suggest otherwise. Okay, so the kids go to the police headquarters and it's full of Spinarak because random kids could just go in there apparently and be crime fighters. They've been into police stations before. Pikachu went through Growlithe training. Did, didn't he? So, they're pretty loose (laughs) at these police stations. He also learned how to implement dancing into combat in the last episode. Do you think we're going to see that again? Do you think we're going to see the bell loop the loop or whatever it is? No, it'll be the Pikachu de loop. I can't wait till we see that in combat. It's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited for it. Finally, see all that work Ash put into learning that. It's going to pay off. It's going to be good. It's going to be a, a payday. Yes. So it cuts to Team Rocket on a clock tower, and Jesse says they need to do a big heist to become like the real Black Arachnid. And James is looking at his bottle cap collection, feeling sad because it's like it's basically down to like twenty bottle caps now. It's like a really small collection. It's really sad. It is dwindling. And Jesse says that unless Meowth learns payday, then they'll have to keep using his bottle caps to scare people off. And then James get ma- gets mad at Meowth for eating out of the priceless pottery that they stole the night before, which is uh, kind of funny because he's just there eating gross junk food out of this pottery but it just looks like a weird cigarette tray like ashtray that's what it looks like to me an ashtray so they decide to do a big heist but what they'll do first is they'll send a letter to the victim telling them that they're going to steal something at this specific time and then they're going to steal it under their noses because then it's more dramatic more flamboyant because then it's like how do they get away with it if they because they just said that they're going to do the thing and then they did the thing what a show I suppose it makes sense that by doing that, it's like a power play. They'll be able to say that like, even the police can't stop them. They gave them plenty of warning that they're going to do the thing. And they can do it anyway because they are the best thieves in the world. Which they are. So then it cuts to Ash and Co. who are just starting a crime fighters meeting thing, apparently. But it's literally just Ash and Co. and then one Officer Jenny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just remembering the joke that Officer Jenny makes. Which is... She says, we'll be fine as long as we have Pokemon covering her backs. And she turns around and there's a Spinarak covering her back. And I just fell in love with Officer Jenny in that moment. <laughs> yep, so their meeting's interrupted by another officer who walks in and says that Black Arachnid sent a letter. They have, like, men officers as well. Yes, they do. Lots of them. Why is this meeting literally just one Officer Jenny and three children? I don't know. In fact, later on, when they're preparing to fight the Black Arachnid, why is it just one Officer Jenny and three children? Maybe all of the police officers are professionals. Well, they're probably more professional than Ash and Co, who are just kids from the street. No, they're kids from New Bark Town, where they did a thing. So they're professional. Okay, well, I have problems with that, which we'll talk about later. So... They go to the place where the letter was sent. They find a man who owns this rare trophy, I think it is, or a piece of pottery. It's just a trophy with Pokemon on it. He asks who these children are, and Jenny says they are professional investigators, which they're not. They're 10-year-old kids who walked around one time and found a turtle. Yep. If it was me, I would have been like, actually, no, this is what we've done, and it's not like we're amazing crime-fighting people, but why are you making out like we're these, like, super professional crime stoppers like you're you're making out that we're these more important people than we actually are in fact this is actually a crime this is in the course of justice and this is a crime and i can be imprisoned for this actually i'm gonna just leave now thank you very much bye but no they're like yeah we're these professional people we can do this stuff and so if it was anybody that wasn't team rocket they'd have no chance but it's always team rocket of course it's always team rocket 
because they're the best. They are. We need them, Sam. Without them, we would die. So the Black Arachnid has said that they will strike at midnight and the clock goes off at 5pm and the guy's pacing around his trophy whilst Jenny and Ash and Kaos all sat there waiting. Ash tells the guy to not worry as they've never lost a case. I'm like, Ash, stop lying. Okay, he's not lying. They haven't lost a case, but they literally did this thing one time and it's not really a case. Like, you can say you've won 100% of Pokemon battles, but if you've had one Pokemon battle, that's not really experience. But it's not lying. No, but it's misinformation. Like, it's misleading. That's the one, misleading. Like, this guy feels super confident because they've never lost a case. Like, yeah, but it was one. That's not good. It's pretty good. Out of one. One out of one. Yes. They've rescued every Totodile that has ever gone missing under their watch. So, Officer Jenny reassures him, and then it cuts to the evening, and Ash sends out his Pokemon, and Jenny's impressed by all the Pokemon he's got, but she says it's expected since they're all professionals. Like, once again, why are they not saying that they're not professionals? They're just committing to the bit. Okay, Sam, there's a more important point here. Ash only has five Pokemon in his team. Mm-hmm. He can have six. Mm-hmm. Why does he only have five? Because the others are not important. Why does he only have five? Because the others are not important. He can have six. Mm-hmm. And he has five. Because at the budget, it would have been too much to animate six of them. He can have a sixth one. Why is he only got five in his team? Because he's a bad trainer. Like, we haven't actually seen him do Pokemon stuff lately. Can I be the protagonist, please? I feel like I can do better. I'd actually have six Pokemon in my team, and I'd use them, and not just Bulbasaur. Okay, so they are sat waiting, and the clock goes off as it's midnight. Ash says it's past oh, their... Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. And Misty and Brock don't have Pokemon anymore. Oh yeah, they didn't send out any of theirs. I guess they're just stood there now to be salad dressing or whatever. Unless you count Togepi. They have a guard's Togepi. No one counts Togepi, because it's not really a Pokemon. I'm so sad. Why do we have Ash? Literally two gym leaders, and they were like, no, we don't need our Pokemon. Squirtle can go in the pool. That's cool. That's really cool. Because he's the water one. We don't have any other water Pokemon around here, so I guess Squirtle will do. So yeah, Ash says it's past their bedtime, and then Brock, for some reason, just get, gets so He's like, I don't have a bedtime, which I think is kind of cute. He just wants to be so grown up. And then uh, he's like, I'm awake. I'm getting up. My legs are asleep. And then he just falls over. So it's been like, what, 30 seconds since midnight. And the guy comes into the room all happy that they've succeeded. Brings trolleys of food for them to eat and stuff. I'm like, it's been 30 seconds. Like, maybe wait and have breakfast. Don't have a midnight feast because it's been 30 seconds after midnight. But I guess that's what they can do. And there's this a funny moment though where Brock says like, the cart is on my hand, which was kind of funny the way he said it. Just the way he said it. It's just the way he says the cart's in my hand. It's kind of funny. Because I guess they don't care about him now he's on the floor and useless. So they eat the food and then lights cut out and they hear payday, payday. And it's Jessie, I think, saying that as she's throwing things. And the lights turn, uh, go up and they see these two people stood there under Meowth. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's the Black Arachnid. And then Team Rocket do the motto, which literally just reveal exactly who they are. Any and all disguises are completely pointless. Because they either immediately take them off or immediately do the motto. But they're fun. They, they notice the gang have been eating food, and they get so angry that they've eaten food. Like, it's not the fact that they're eating, it's the fact they haven't offered them anything. Which is kind of funny, because they're always starving. We always see them, like, hungry. It's great, they just get so mad about not being offered food. So Team Rocket then reveal what they did, which was that they hid in the attic all day after sending the letter. So even before the Pokemon arrived. Which I guess is a plan you can do, but also it kind of doesn't explain how they're going to escape. 
which we'll see later. It wouldn't work in any other town, because the Growlithe would just sniff them out. But in this town, they have Spinarak, because that's the Pokemon this episode. We've already seen Growlithe. We don't need to see Growlithe anymore. I prefer Growlithe. But Spinarak is cute still. So Ash asks why Team Rocket are late, and then they say that they fell asleep, which was kind of funny, because they can't even be thieves properly. They're not doing a great job of impersonating the Black Arachnid. No, throwing bottle caps and generally being kind of... They are a disappointing sequel. They are. So James uses Payday and throws his bottle caps everywhere as they escape. And Misty's like, oh, it's okay, it's just bottle caps. And you hear James shout from far away, what do you mean just bottle caps? Bless him, he just really wanted his collection back. Also, the idea of Payday as a move is weird. Because it's just like, can the Pokemon just conjure up money that's what i don't get like why don't you just have lots of meowth that know payday and have them all like stand there and use payday it would make money <laughs> unless it's all counterfeit money i guess maybe i mean in the game you physically spend that money so meowth should learn payday and then they won't be broke anymore i think it's an episode where they try and teach them payday how does a pokemon make money mm. we need game theory to work it out yeah so Team Rocket's balloon flies up and gets caught in the web. And then Ash gets each and every one of his Pokemon to attack because it's his episode and it's his show and he has to do the attacks. Because he's a professional investigator. But it's weird because all of his Pokemon attack, but Charizard burns the web and then they start to fly away. Like, he hinders it. He makes it worse. If he hadn't attacked them all, they could have just climbed up and got them down. But instead, he had to do his attacks because he's the best. And then, as it's flying away... Officer Jenny gets Spinarak to fire a single string of web to catch the balloon. And then I'm like, okay, but why isn't Spinarak being dragged away? Or why isn't Officer Jenny being dragged? Because it's literally the weight of an entire balloon that is lifting up three people. But I guess if you're stood uh, on Officer Jenny's shoulder, it's fine. All they got to do is if they ever want to move heavy stuff, is just get Spinarak to fire its web at it. Because apparently it's going to be like weight distribution doesn't matter. So like, even though that balloon's pulling away and that balloon's been able to pick up way much more than Officer Jenny but because Spinarak's on her shoulder it's fine. Physics. It felt so token like because Spinarak's the Pokemon of the week they had to get it to use its attack to save the day. So yeah then Charizard attacks again and then blasts them off but all the things that they have stolen have flown out of the uh, basket coincidentally. Oh it's amazing that that's happened again because that always seems to happen anytime Team Rocket blasts off. The thing that they have has been thrown out of the basket the last second. So then all the Pokemon and everyone else have to catch the things that they're, that are falling from the sky. And the one that's important because it's the one that they just stole. Spinarak uses its web to bounce it and then catch it because Spinarak has to do something. And then that's it. It's done. Officer Jenny thanks them and says it's good they had real professionals in town. It's like, okay, but they didn't do anything. Team Rocket got past all the Pokemon. And then the only thing that they did really was Ash used them all to attack and then that burnt the web and they started to get away even more. So if anything, Ash and Co made it worse. Like, especially Co, like Misty and Brock didn't do anything this episode except eat food. They were there. Yeah, they were literally just there and then all Ash did was make the situation worse. But I guess they're professionals. Yay, we've got to love them. Professional wastes of space. So like, once again, Ash and Co wander into the plot. They're treated like really important people. Do nothing and then the day is saved and they're treated like heroes. They did it. Yeah. They did the thing. Yeah. Who is your favourite character? I liked Spinarak. Spinarak's a spider and I like spiders, so I like Spinarak. And that's the logic I'm following. See, I... Don't like spiders, but I think Spinarak's cute. I like that it's green, and that it just has Spider-Man's abilities to shoot webs. 
My favourite character is James, because he suffered the most in this episode. Oh, He lost his entire bottle cap collection for no reason. Meowth suffered physical pain. He snapped a claw. Yeah, but that's like, what's what amount of physical pain? That's years of bottle caps that have been thrown away. Bless him. What's your favourite thing? The bit where Meowth was eating the food out of the expensive pottery. I find that kind of funny. It was pretty funny. I think my favourite thing is that the Black Arachnid has nothing to do with spiders himself. But it's the city. The city's got Spinarak everywhere, so of course he's the Black Arachnid. But the Spinarak weren't even a thing until he was caught. Yeah, but the Spinarak's the thing in the episode. But they weren't a thing when he was captured. But it captured him. It captured the Black Arachnid. No, you capture flies with webs. You don't capture spiders with webs. But he's the Black Arachnid and he got stopped by a Spinarak. I don't even understand how he got stopped. Like, he's just on a rooftop looking smug that, yeah, I stopped you. But there's literally any other direction he could have gone. Like, you being up there was just chance. You've got to fight spider with spider. Filler or not filler. Ooh, do you think this one might be filler? Uh, yes, it's absolutely filler. Just a little bit. And overall thoughts? I think Team Rocket were really on form this episode. So I actually still really enjoyed it. I genuinely like Team Rocket. I prefer them over Ash and Co. Everything with Ash and Co was dumb, but Team Rocket were so good. Ash and Co were just there and they're being roped into all this stuff like they're these amazing people. It's so... All Ash and Co do is react to what Team Rocket's doing. Team Rocket are the only ones with any actual plans or goals or objectives. Like, even at the moment, like, Ash isn't even getting badges. At this point, I think that Ash and Co are actually following Team Rocket and not the other way around. I'd believe that. Ah, Pokemon. Get good, please. Yeah, as I said last time, I just, I'm sick of the filler now. There needs to be good stuff. I still enjoyed it. It was a better filler episode than usual. Yeah, there was at least reason for them to be doing the thing as opposed to the last episode, which was just, yeah, they were just having a a coffee with the girl and then stuff. And then they were aggressive at Team Rocket for no reason. At least in this one, it was like things were being stolen and stuff. So there was actually consequence and and reason for them to do the thing. Professionally do the thing. Mildly competently do the thing, because up until that last one, they were doing really well. Yay. Cool. Next up is Guardian Angel. This episode immediately starts with everyone firing attacks at Dark Spires and collapsing them all around the digital world. Izzy's got this map and he's saying how they're clearing out the map slowly but surely. So they're all working in groups to cut down all of the Emperor's Dark Spires, which is cool, which means they're freeing up the digital world slowly. Making good progress to win this massive game of tic-tac-toe. Mm-hmm. So they've got one dark spire left to destroy, and it's in like a weird city area. Wait, is this really the last one? Or is it just the last one today? Last one today. Oh, good. I was thinking there was a lot more dark spires left over. So the O2 kids are there trying to fight, and they're outnumbered by Gardamon. So what they decide to do is they decide to retreat, and they try to come up with some tactics later on. But as they retreat, like a Gardamon blows up the TV they were escaping in, and Kari and Gatumon are the only two left behind. Which is cool. I like this idea. They've taken the thing that they've been doing for so many episodes, which is go and destroy the Spire, and they've made it so that there is a bit of a risk to it now, and we haven't had this in this season yet, where a kid's stuck in the digital world. Because I know there's other TVs they can escape from, but this is the first time we've had somebody basically stuck. In this one, they're stuck inside a massive dome, aren't they? So they can't get away. I mean, I kind of have issue with it because if there wasn't the dome, like they could literally could have flown away. So I feel like it would have worked with another character instead. I think Cody and Digmon would have been quite good. Well, it shows Digmon drilling around later. They can all fly. They can all escape in their own way. Except Davis. But then who cares about Davis? No one. 
Davis. Whoa. Speaking of Davis, he gets mad at TK saying that he should have watched out for her since she was right behind her. And then Cody starts yelling at Davis saying that he's being a jerk. And Davis calms down, but TK says that Davis is right and that he should have been watching out for her all along. And I'm like, well, no, because if they were retreating from and like the attack came out of nowhere kari wasn't going to be able to react to it in time anyway neither would have tk everybody else has gone tk was like literally disappearing into the tv there was no way that he was going to be able to help kari out also kari's like one of the oldest members of the o2 team pretty sure she can take care of herself but catch isn't very strong anymore because it lost its jewelry no blink power Nope. We both just sounded so sad. <laughs> so Cody says that he should have been watching out for her too, which means there's no one to blame, which kind of makes sense. Like, this is one of the only times I've ever heard Cody actually make actual sense. Like, he's saying, well, well, no, it's not like it's TK's responsibility to look after Kari. It's everyone's responsibility to look after each other. I choose to blame Kari. I kind of do feel like she didn't do much in this episode except be helpless. She was turned into a damsel in distress. That's all she did. So they get a message from Kari and she says that she's fine. So TK searches for a gate that's near to where she is and jumps in. And then Davis jumps in after because he doesn't want TK to be the hero in this. And I'm like, basically, Kari gets trapped specifically so that TK and Davis can fight over her and who's going to save her. And it's like, uh, we didn't need this. But then also I'm kind of grateful because I think they do make for a better episode when they split off into smaller pairings rather than having the massive group. It does change up what we have seen so far, and I like what they do with it. The conversations are way more focused and less all over the place. So Davis and TK have jumped into the TV, and then Yoli says that she says that she wants to do it as well, and then Cody stops her. Because it's dinner time! (laughs) And I was about to be like, no, Cody, what are you doing? But what he actually says is that their families are going to be wondering where they are, which actually makes sense. Like, Cody's being good this episode. Except the families would know about Digimon. Yeah, but they don't, do they? Because it's O2 and... Davis' family wouldn't know, but Kari's and TK's would. So really, it's only Davis' family. But we forgot that because it's O2 and now the Digimon have to be secret again. So they go and deal with the families while TK and Davis go and save Kari. But it cuts to TK and Davis, and Davis is complaining, saying, what a dumb idea it was to cross the desert with no water. And TK said they didn't ask for them to come along. And then they immediately see the city. So they could have been travelling for, what, 10 minutes? The, the regions aren't that big. They're just right next to each other. It makes no sense that they were like, they're in the desert, Davis is complaining that there's no water, and then there's the city. That Was that like a minor inconvenience to you then? Time is of the essence. Kari is in danger and all alone. Yep, so what do they do? They start fighting about who's the one to go and save her. Because she's the prize that they need to all win because that's what they need to do because only one of them can have Kari, even though she's her own person. So Davis flips a coin and says if it's Tails, he can go save Kari and if it's Heads, then TK can go. He flips the coin, it lands on Tails and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. You can stay here and I don't know what you're going to do. TK swipes the coin and finds out it's Tails on both sides and he says, oh, we used to do the same thing to Matt. Which doesn't seem like a thing TK would do. No, but they needed to add the lines in. It seems like something Matt would do to TK, if anything. More importantly, their friend's in danger, so maybe instead of deciding who's going to go and save her, why not both? They end up going with both anyway. Yeah, but they make out like it's it's a new idea they've just come up with and they think it's a good idea. It's like, well, no, that should be the given, is that, okay, they're both going to go and save her. So then behind them, Patamon and Vimon are there, and Patamon says that TK and Davis are fighting a lot. And Vimon says it's something about human girls that makes human boys go crazy. And I'm like, ah, no, they're 10-year-old children. No. 
puberty. So it cuts to Kari, who's riding the 31. Not in that way. She's just riding the 31. But not in that way. I don't know the way you're talking about. Okay, she's flying on the 31's back. Well, she's not flying, is she? She's riding the 31. The 31's flying. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Kari's riding on the 31's back whilst the 31 flies in the air. Okay, that'll do. And then the Emperor sees her and then decides to send out someone special to fight her. There's a weird bit in this. First of all, he just has lots of close-ups for Kari's face from different angles, which doesn't seem like very important information, really. And second of all, for some reason, Wormmon calls the Digimon Emperor Ken. Uh-huh, but we know he's Ken already. No, he's not. We found out a couple episodes ago, I think. No. I, we find out at the end of this episode, at least. No. No, the Digimon Emperor isn't Ken. I'm not putting up with that charade. We know it's Ken. Ken is Ken. So Cody and Yoli are calling the other kids and they're all coming up with plans to excuse the other kids from being absent, which is okay. But there's like, Ty can say to his mum that Kari's with the other kids doing Digimon stuff. I'll just say with with the other kids. Matt can say that TK's with the other kids. Like, as you said, Davis is the only one they need to sort out. They have phones. They can just say they're having dinner at mine. Hang up. Problem solved. (laughs) It's not that big a deal for them to spend a night out, is it? With the friends. No. So, TK and Davis are near the door to the city. It's like one guard from standing guard. Patamon evolves into Andromon, and Davis and Vimon's jaws just hit the floor because they haven't seen him before, which I forgot. We haven't seen Andromon much in any of Digimon. Yeah, I just kind of forgot that he was a thing until this episode. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that Patamon evolves into something useful. Pegasusmon is useful. As a horse. A flying horse. So Angemon attacks Gargemon and disarms him. And then they get into the city and he devolves into Patamon. Like, is that a thing that happens when they get near the spires? Not until now. Because I'm pretty sure in this episode we also saw Greymon and Garurumon destroying spires. Yep. Which kind of makes no sense why he doesn't just stay as Angemon. Nope. So he would have been a lot more useful. Yep. So then, once he devolves into Patamon, Davis asks about Anjuman, and TK tells him about Anjuman and Anjuwoman, and Davis gets really jealous and starts asking Vimon if he involves into Anjusomethingmon at all. And no, um, Vimon's like, no, I'm just trying my best. Poor Vimon with his abusive tamer. Yeah, Davis is a bit garbage. Just a teeny-weeny bit. So then it cuts to Matt telling June that Davis is at a friend's house, and June tells him that he's lying and forces him to go on a date with her for some reason. She does all of this with about four frames of animation. She's quite impressive. Yeah, literally just her mouth moving and the door closing. And then Matt's like, what just happened? Something about boys makes girls go crazy. Uh, not always. We've got Yoli and Cody and Ty who are at the computer room saying they need to get to work. And then we get the Emperor staring at a silhouette of Andromon. And then this is where TK and Davis evolve their partners as they search for Kari. But I'm like, okay, so Andromon turned back into Patamon for no reason then. They needed the stock footage of Patamon digivolving to be used again. It just feel like it could have just stayed as Andromon. It would have been actually more powerful than, than a horse. And probably harder to animate and draw. So that's when we see Kari get blasted out of the sky and the Fertimon devolves. Oh no, that's a no good. And then literally that exact moment, TK and Davis appear and save Kari, and Kari calls them both her heroes. That is my reaction noise. The third team can fly. There are tall buildings. Fly to the top of a tall building. It wouldn't be too hard for Kari to stay hidden and safe. But then Andron appears and Kari remembers her. 
Flame Drummer attacks, but is hit, and then Pegasus Mine attacks and is hit, and they both devolve. They both get wrecked. And then Anderon sees the goggles Davis is wearing and equates them to Ty. Halsamon appears and attacks as well as Digmon, but that does nothing as well. Ty, Cody, and Yoli appear, and then Ty talks to Andromon. And this is where Andromon starts remembering because he sees Ty. It's like, oh yeah, I remember Ty. And then starts freaking out. And Kari does the best thing that she always does, which is puts herself in harm's way because that's what she does best. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, she puts on her sad face and then she gets like put in immediate life-threatening danger because she believes that that's what will fix things. She does do that a lot. Yeah, she literally just pulls that sad face and then gets put in harm's way because that's what she does. So she just stands there and Andromon picks her up and then Kari's just looking at him with her sad face and she's like, don't you remember me? It's like, he would destroy you in like a second so why have you done this but then conveniently a tear drops on him and then the d3 falls from somewhere and hits him with a burst of light and he starts remembering all like the pictures that they took together the adventure kids at the end before they left to go home that all starts getting pieced together and one ends up remembering who they are so he lets Kari down and breaks the dark ring and then he turns around and breaks the dark spire i said oh okay i guess that's all done then we did it they did it with the power of remembering who they are. They did it with the power of jigsaw puzzles. Yes, they did it with the power of jigsaw puzzles. Andromon loves jigsaw puzzles. He does. This is a canon thing. Yeah. So the kids go home and Izzy's in the computer room waiting for them. And he's upset that they left him out of the loop. Which is kind of funny because he's just sat there and like he wanted to be involved because... I just like the idea of the old kids just wanting to be part of the adventure, especially Izzy, because of the things that they've gone through together. And this is where he tells them that the Digivices have three settings, Digital, Detect and Discover, and that they should call them D3s from now on. Now you're probably wondering what exactly Digital, Detect and Discover do. Well, that is a question. And then he says that he has to thank his friend Willis in America for helping them. Does he actually say the name Willis? He says the name Willis. I missed the name, but I got the friend in America bit. So yeah, digital detect and discover. Woo! And then it cuts to Matt. And Matt's dad is saying how June has booked them a table at the most expensive restaurant in the city. I'm like, okay, yeah, because that's what women do. They want the most expensive food. Something about food just makes girls go crazy. Expensive food. It's got to be expensive. And then Ken gets room service from his mum. She's leaving food outside Ken's door and Ken's sat in a huff because the kids defeated him. Well, he's in a huff probably because the Digimon Emperor reprimanded him for not doing a great job today. I think the Digimon Emperor probably scolded Ken for doing a bad job. We know he's the Digimon Emperor not playing this game. I refuse to believe this until I see concrete evidence. But he has a computer in his room. So does Izzy. Is Izzy the Digimon Emperor? I wish. That would be great. That would actually be pretty cool if he was, like, schizophrenic or something. No, like, he misses the digital world and the adventures he had there, so he curates this character who causes problems for them, so they've got, let's go, I guess we've got to go back to the digital world to save the day. And that's why he got so upset for not being invited. Aww. Because, like, part of his plan is to always be invited, because that's what he's doing. Like, he's creating these people who are causing the problems, just so we can go back and have adventures. That would actually be pretty fun. And also probably too clever for all of the eight-year-old children watching. Who was your standout character? I'm going to say Anjumon, because he was tall. He definitely stood out. He was there for like the fourth time in all of Digimon he's ever turned up. And then he just throws his staff and then devolves back. But he did it, and he stood out. My standout character is probably Izzy, because I like the idea of him at the end just being like, you guys left me, getting so upset with everybody because they went and had an adventure without him. I think Izzy's the one who really wants all this stuff to be good. He's the one who really wants to get into the Digimon stuff. Bless him. Favourite thing? My favourite thing 
is there's this one shot of Flame Drummond's face where he just has his mouth open and he looks appalled. Appalled Flame Drummond. I did share it on Twitter, and it's amazing, and I love it. It's the best face. What's really good is that there was no animation in that shot either. It was literally just him with this face for, like, three seconds at least, and it's a good face. Some of the frames in this show, though, are, are, are quite good, because they're quite bad. What was your favourite thing? My favourite thing was just the start when they're working together to destroy the Dark Spires. Just that little short montage of, like, still images of Greymon and Garurumon on top of Spires. That's your favourite thing? Yeah, just the idea of them all working together. It's it's really good. Okay. Would you say this episode was filler or not filler? It was filler. I mean, even though spires got destroyed, what we haven't been told is like that there's a certain number of spires. If we were told there's 200 spires, then seeing them destroy some would be progress. But because there's a potentially infinite amount of spires, then it's still filler because they've not reached a goal. Like, even if they destroy 100 spires today, that doesn't mean that there's a certain amount left. It means that, like, it just it's just a, a vague total of numbers. So it's still filler, even though stuff happened. But Izzy explained that the Digivice is digital, detect, and discover. We don't know what that is. They're digital. Completely digital. They detect things, which is different to discovering things. Yes, it is. Overall thoughts. It was kind of a bland episode. Not much happened except Kari got trapped in a very plot-specific place. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I liked the fact that they worked together in different groups to do different things. And that also they had some ramifications to their journey, which was that they had to kind of keep it secret from the parents and stuff. Which I know is low-level stuff, but it was still good to see them all being like, okay, well, if they go and save Kari, we can go and do this and we can go and do that, which I, I quite enjoyed. It had a lot more going on than usual. They weren't all just in the same place doing the same thing and arguing and making dumb jokes. Anything else or are we done with this one? I think we're done with this one. Cute. Now it's time for Mono and Mono, where we attempt to compare these episodes. The new mons that were shown to us today, which was Spinarak. That was it. It's a cute spider. It is. I like Spinarak's design. It was probably one of my favourite ones from Gold and Silver. But apart from that, there's literally no other new ones. I like the face on its back as well. I didn't realise that it can change its expression. I always thought it was just a, a, a fake face. But it's nifty. Who was your monster of the week? I'm going to say Squirtle, because he swam in a pool and was very helpful. Okay. Mine was Anjumon, because he did so little, but he made Davis freak out, which was always a plus. The faces that the animators drew for them were good. They were good faces. They were so expressionate compared to everybody else in this entire show. We never really have expressions. Which storyline did you prefer? We've just skipped the most important question. Oh, we did. Who was worse, Ash or Davis? I've got them both being just as bad, because, like, Ash lied to a police officer for an extended period of time. I'm voting Davis, because damsel in distress needs saving. I need to inhibit this saving because I can't let the other guy save her. Actually, yeah, okay. He actively put someone's life in danger because he wanted to save the girl. So, yeah, he was worse. I mean, Ash lied to a police officer, yeah, but nobody was getting hurt, at least with Kari. They could have just gone in and saved her together but instead he had to be like no i will endanger her life by slowing us down and flipping a fake coin and stuff so yeah davis will be worse sorry which storyline did you prefer i preferred digimons it had a lot more going on me too there were more like subplots to it and many more things going on it was better than just we've had the team rocket steel stuff plot before we've had them being detectives before and we've had it without flashbacks to black arachnid character so yeah, I thought the drawing was better. Any similarities? I couldn't really find any. Sneaking into places? There's very little in common at all. Any notable differences? 
there's very little in common at all. Even though they're still filler, one difference is that Digimon's trying to even show fake progress, but also try and mix it up a little bit. With Pokemon, it's still the, we go to a vague city and we see a Pokemon and then Team Rocket do something and then that Pokemon saves the day. Like, that's the formula for any filler episode of Pokemon. At least with Digimon, it's like, they took the, we go to the digital world for a day, it's fun. And they were like, nope, actually what happens is you're stuck there now. Digimon often just has higher stakes than Pokemon does. Because lives are in danger, when in Pokemon that's rarely the case. Which episode do you think deserves the point? I think that I am going to struggle to choose. Oh, I chose Digimon because Cody was actually decent this time around, and that's noteworthy. He wasn't a potato! No, he wasn't. He was a good kid. He was like, here's the legit reason why this is a problem. Here's the legit solution to the problem. It's like, yay, look at Cody! It's come so far from rolling a a tomato around a plate. I think that I enjoyed watching Pokemon more, though. I found it more fun. You can enjoy that one more, but you could give the point to Digimon for being better. But then it was also just damsel in distress, drivel. I'll agree with you on giving it to Digimon, just because I honestly don't think either of them were particularly great. I think this is the first time Cody's been, like, useful, so I think it deserves a point for Cody being good. They were both fun-ish filler episodes, just not outstanding in any regard, really. Like, Digimon attempted to do something new this time around, but it's still pretty much filler. It was new, but then it also still had the usual problems of Davis being a misogynistic scumbag. Join us again next time we'll be watching the 8th episodes. Snubble Snubbery and Ken's Secret. What do you think Ken's Secret might be? That his hair's died. You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, with the wall thread and email which are all linked in the show notes. We're also on YouTube now where previous episodes are going up daily. And we've also set up a Discord so you can pop in there and chat with us and those are in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Two, three, four, five, six. Bananas. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Next up is Guardian Angel. I was so hoping you would say Guardian Angle. But there's no angles. There are no angles to look at this episode from. (laughs) So we can move on then, can't we? (laughs) (laughs) I give up. Okay.